You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I've got a great show for you. But before that, let me remind you just a few things. When you go to wealthformula.com, make sure to join the newsletter. Uh, That newsletter has a lot of great information in there, and it is going to include some information that's not going to be in this podcast necessarily. You can also go to the website, wealthformula.com. Also, you can ask questions on Ask Buck. And finally, for you accredited investors out there who want to get involved with some interesting projects, click on Invest With Me and get on the accredited investor list. Now, let's get on with the show. So no one wants to get old, right? But it is better than the alternative. Now, imagine getting to that age when you're unable to take care of yourself and start feeling like a burden on your kids. What do you do? Well, these days, most people in this situation end up at an assisted living facility. And when you think of an assisted living facility, what kinds of images come to your mind? Well, personally, I think of sterile Soviet Union style buildings built in the 1960s with the faint smell of urine, maybe covered up with a flower scented cleaning agent of some kind. You know, big anonymous cafeterias, caregivers who you don't know. They don't look like they're very interested and they don't want to be there. They're just punching in the clock. Sounds depressing, but maybe it doesn't have to be that way. And in most states, there is a growing asset class known as group homes that are becoming more prevalent. And instead of the institutional vision that I just painted, now imagine a regular house in a regular old neighborhood. And imagine that all the others living in the house and the caregivers are people that you actually know. By, by first name, you know, they're almost like your, your roommates back in college or, uh, you know, maybe if you're in a fraternity, that sounds a lot more pleasant, doesn't it? Well, maybe that would even cut down on the high rates of depression seen in the elderly. This could be a great option for you someday and certainly your parents now, probably. Now, imagine owning one of these things. Imagine owning two or three of these things and making you know, minimum of 30% return on investment on each one. And imagine owning something like this, where the demographic for your customers is absolutely exploding. The baby boomers are going this direction. I am not a baby boomer. I am Gen X. Thank you. But the baby boomers are all headed there very soon. In the next two decades, you're going to see an enormous growth in this population. All of this makes it sound like a really, really good place to be, right? Well, That's why I invited my friend Gene Guarino from Residential Assisted Living Academy to tell us all about this kind of thing and what the opportunities are. So when we come back, we'll be talking with Gene Guarino. Welcome back to the Wealth Formula Podcast, everyone. And today my guest is Gene Guarino. Now, Gene is the founder and CEO of Residential Assisted Living Academy. He's trained thousands of investors and entrepreneurs throughout the United States on how to invest in and operate residential assisted living homes, which you'll find out all about today. In addition to that, Gene has been a real estate investor, entrepreneur, and an educator for over 25 years. So thanks a lot for being with us today, Gene. Absolutely. Now, Gene, I know where you're at now, but tell me a little bit, tell our crowd a little bit about how you got started out and how you ended up where you are now. 
You've got it. It's kind of by accident when it comes to the real estate investing. I was uh, a musician. That's where I started, a professional musician as a young guy. And I had a music school recording studio. We were renting a building and had our business out of it. Uh, the landlord was terrible. So we ended up having to buy our own building. So it was kind of like accidental getting into real estate. Uh, bought our first property and it went so well. Bought another one, bought another one. And here I am 39 years later. And it really started off that way. And the first property was no money down because I had no money. And the last property was no money down because it works so well. Uh, it's just a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, how did you go from, of course, that journey of you know buying these multifamily homes and you know duplexes or whatever it was to finding this whole idea of the residential assisted living home? Yeah, I think everybody gets into real estate for a different reason. So mine was I needed a place to operate my business. And some people, they start off with a home. They buy a duplex, live in one side, rent out the other. So mine started more from a commercial side. We had a place that we operated our business in, and we also lived in it. So that was the dual purpose of it. And then from there, it became, wow, that was neat. So now let's buy one and sell it. Then it was, well, that was good. Let's buy one and hold it. And that was good. But every time we bought one and fixed it and flipped it, you're unemployed. You know, you have to go look for another one. And that didn't feel good in the end. And the buy and hold, when you buy it and hold it and you make $100 a month in positive cash flow, when you're 20 years old, that's exciting. But when you're 50 years old, that doesn't really make it. Yeah. Uh, so then you start looking at bigger projects where it's 50 or 100 units. And, and that's good. But even $100 times 50 is still good. But it's a lot of effort and so on. So I was really looking for something that was going to give me significant residual income. And I also, the older I get, Buck, the, the more it becomes important to me to not just make money, but do something good, do something important, do something that's going to last. You know that in your profession. It's, it's not just about making money. You're doing it for a reason. So the concept of doing good and doing well, and as my mom was aging and she started to need more help, I realized there's a huge opportunity. We couldn't find what we were looking for, meaning a place that we could bring mom that felt like home. They were all institutional. They were large. They were impersonal. They felt good to us. Hey, she can go bowling inside this place. She can have a, a cafeteria for food. She can have a, a theater in the home, but that's not what we wanted. She lived in a home and we wanted her to be in a home. So I couldn't find what I was looking for. So that's when I committed myself to create that a home that she could live in, that she I would be proud to have her live in. And that's where it all started, that genesis of that residential assisted living for me. Yeah. So let's talk about that in specific. Maybe you could describe for us what exactly is a residential assisted living home and how is that different from a traditional assisted living facility or nursing home? You got it. I think when I first thought about uh, assisted living, my first thought was a large institutional, like a big box, a institution that's like a hospital, like a leftover hospital or a, you know, let's face it, a mental institution, put some barbed wire around the roof and it could be a prison. And it's not that. It's a single family home in a neighborhood. 
So there's no sign out in front. It's the house next door. And it's a home that's got some slight conversions inside. There may be some grab bars by the toilets and the showers. And maybe the doorways are a little wider in case somebody has a walker. Uh, there's no shag carpets, right? It's smooth floors. And maybe there's some ramps to the front door. So some slight conversions inside. It's no doctors and nurses inside. It's caregivers 24-7. So it's a group home for seniors in a residential setting. And the care that's provided is their activities of daily living are being taken care of. So it's not medical. If they need medical attention, it's an emergency, it's 911. Or if it's truly medical long term, they have to move on to a, a skilled nursing facility or a nursing home. So tell me about this opportunity. Um, I mean, obviously, listen, I agree with you 100%. It's one of these doing good and doing well businesses. And in my experience now, having started a few different businesses, I mean, those are the best ones that you can do where everybody wins. And this is clearly one of those. I mean, who wouldn't rather drop mom off at a, you know, at a home, uh, you know, at, at something that looks like a house rather than a, in an institution. But let's talk about it from the business side. I mean, tell me about the opportunity. What are the demographics like and why do you think this is a good place to be? Yeah, and I'm going to run through the facts and the figures because I'm guessing that a lot of people that are listening may be right smack dab in the middle of this from a user standpoint. Uh, my mom, who was in her early 80s, started to need help. And when you start to look at what does that look like, you start within the family. So who in the family, brothers and sisters, can take the time to go and be with mom? And once you, once you kind of exhaust that opportunity, then you say, okay, who can we hire? And to bring somebody into the home to take care of mom and dad, it's an average of $20 an hour. So if that's eight hours a day, do the math, that's $4,800 a month. It's like, wow, that adds up quick. So now it's the concept of bring them to someplace. So the average throughout the U.S. is $3,600 for an individual private room in assisted living. That's the average across America. And Buck, you know, because you came out and saw my homes, an average home would not be very appealing to most people. So you and I would not be, it wouldn't be acceptable for us or mom or dad to be living in that average home. We want above average. So it's really four or $5,000 a month. So if you have a group home where you have 10 seniors, let's say, living in that home, and it's $5,000 each times 10 people, the gross income that's produced $50,000, that's a lot of income. And now you have to pay caregivers, manager, food, electric, rent, and the whole bit. By the time it's all said and done, there's $10,000, $15,000 of net profit each month from that business. It's not just real estate. It's the real estate and the business combined can produce significant residual income. And a lot of people who are listening, you know, if I were to ask you, do you have a parent or grandparent in assisted living and how much does that cost? I get numbers all the time. I was in uh, Dallas and Houston just this past week, and the numbers come out 4,000, 6,000, 8,000. The low end is 3,500, and that person feels bad. But I've met people penny, paying 12,000 and 15,000 a month. And then the question comes, how in the world do they pay for it? Well, people work their whole lives, and then they get to the end and say, what do I do? And the reality is they take all the assets they work their whole lives for and liquidate them and pay for those last three, four, five years of their life. So if somebody's not prepared, uh, a lot of the assets that people work for are just spent at the end, taking care of them in that end-of-life situation. So anyway, I went through all that just to give you the concept of what this is, but the economics of it, many states uh, – 
not only have these, but they also have rules and regulations. So I'm in Arizona. We're limited to 10 people in a single family home. So that may sound like a lot for some of you, but the homes that we have are not three bedroom, two bath breeder boxes, as I call it. You know, they're 4,000, 5,000 square feet. You don't need a home that size. Minimum square footage might be a 1,500 square foot house. And that's what your competition does. I have a nicer home, a nicer product, as they say. We offer nicer food and better care. So we charge more. So four or 5,000, but we're not the high end. The high end is six, eight, 10, 12,000. So we are above average, but not way on the top. So the economics of it work really well when you have 10 or 12 people in the home. And as you know, Buck, if you only have six or eight, the only way to really make that work is if you live in the home. You're the caregiver. You're the manager. And if you do it that way, then it's a mom and pop shop. Really, you have a job in your own home. And I don't encourage you to do that. Agreed. Tell me about the demographics, though, because obviously this is when you look at any industry, you're looking at, okay, where are we now? What's the demand going to be later? And and when you look at it from that perspective, what's the opportunity? Yeah. And that's what is really incredible about this. We've all heard that the baby boomers are they drive our economy. You know, 19 those born between 1946 and 1964 are generally considered the baby boom generation. Well, those people are just now turning 70, 71. They're not in assisted living, but their parents are. So their parents are, but they're coming. So we see this literal silver tsunami that's going to be coming into these homes 10, 15, 20 years from now. So this is good now. There's 10,000 people a day turning 65. More importantly, there's already 4,000 people a day turning 85. And they don't just turn 85 and pass away. They're lasting longer than ever. That's 120,000 a month, 1.4 million a year. And Brookdale, the largest of the large, the biggest of the big publicly traded you know, assisted living, large senior housing companies could double in size every year and still can't keep up with the demand. So they're building as fast as they can and they're filling their homes and there's waiting lists there. So when we put up a, a 10 bed home, a 12 bed home, right at the foot at the footsteps, at the end of the driveway of Brookdale, all we need is 10 or 12, they need 150 and they're full with the waiting list. So we're just soaking up a little bit of that demand, but the demand is so huge and the clientele just keeps on coming. Everybody who's listening is a future customer. So we're in the right place at the right time. Uh, Warren Buffett has said this is the place to be. Harry S. Dent with the New York Times bestseller called The Demographic Cliff has said assisted living is the place to be. I was on a cruise with Robert Kiyosaki in February, pulled me aside and said, tell me about assisted living. He's turning 70 this year. Senior housing and assisted living is the place to be. So it's a really interesting asset class right now because what's curious is that there's a a mix of, in the big boxes, there also seems to be some issues with overproduction in the short term. And I think what you've sort of nailed it where, you know, we're talking about a demographic shift over the course of the next two decades. And in certain areas, people are getting really excited about that right now. And then they end up way overproducing and then they don't have a product that's any different. Uh, than everybody else. And um, one of the things that I like about this, and maybe you can comment on this, is that you're not here, you're not competing with the big boxes here. You're actually providing a very different product. And it's sort of the difference between, say, um, you know, a big, big 
a great big hotel and a bed and breakfast. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Or I, I like to akin to a fine dining restaurant to the chain restaurant. So Brookdale might put up Olive Garden. And we call that as an Italian, we call that fake Italian, right? So you go there, you get a bulk meal. It's all there. It's the same every place across the country. And some people like that. And others say, no, I'd rather have the nicer food in a, a custom format and nicer service. So when you do the home, it's kind of like that fine dining restaurant where the chef has some and that's the way it is in the small facilities. So you know the manager, you know the caregivers. Uh, it's better service, better food, and literally better service, better food. Uh, so when we talk about demand, and let's just look at the bigger picture, when we just went through the Great Recession, so the market got crushed, commercial buildings stopped, period, just stopped. Seniors didn't stop aging. So every open bed got filled. And now in the last few years, four or five years, commercial building has started again with a vengeance. So now there's $15 billion in senior housing projects coming out of the ground right now. They're just filling the demand that was pent up because the building had stopped. So what you see coming out of the ground right now is just soaking up the demand that was was not being met. And literally, Brookdale could double inside of every year and not meet the demand. So there's plenty of room for everybody. Those places go up and they are... They have waiting lists before they're finished, before they're complete. They pre-sell places before they come out of the ground. And it's just such a huge opportunity. And what I love is that you said this too, Buck, we're not competing with them. I'm not coming in with the same product as Brookdale, Atria, Sunrise. We're coming in with a single family home where it is in the neighborhood. So we're different than them. The difference is that we don't put up a billboard. We don't have the massive marketing budget that they have. How do people find out about us? So that's like the restaurant. It's not if you build it, they will come. It's a matter of knowing how to and where to and how to get the word out so that people know who you are, where you are, so that you can have people move in and then people will refer you. So that's really important, knowing what you're doing. I have to say this. I, I've got a lot of information out there, and you know that on YouTube and so on, and people look at that and say, well, that looks simple. I can go do that. Hey, if you know what you're doing, great. But if you don't, you put it in the wrong area, don't know what you're doing. You may have a great house, wrong area. They're not going to come. If you have the right house but don't know how to fill it, it won't matter. So you really do need to know what you're doing, but the numbers, the economics are incredible. The opportunity, the demographics are unstoppable. And if you do it right, you're in the right position. So, I mean, you raise a very good point about, you know, like anything else, you really need to, uh, you really need to know what you're doing. If you're going into, you know, a dark cave for the first time, it's better to be with somebody who's been there before. Now, tell me, you know, from your own experience, Gene, what are, what are some of the major challenges that even some of your students are having um, in starting or operating homes like this. I mean, obviously the numbers look fantastic, but a lot of times when things look that good, it's not that easy to do, right? Right. And those are what we call barriers to entry, right? So right. we, <laughs> yep. I like, I like the fact, Buck, that there are barriers to entry because it keeps those, you know, late night infomercial people out. The ones who see fixing or flipping Vegas, you know, keeps the crowds out. I like that there's barriers to entry. So here's some of the problems that people have or challenges that people have is one, location. They put it in the wrong location. They start with the real estate in mind. They say, I've got the perfect house, but it's in the wrong location. So they go all out, but it's the wrong house. They do the right things in the wrong spot and they fail because 
no caregiver can get there. The, the caregiver may not have cars. There's no bus line. They have no staff. Or it's so far out, the people that place seniors in these homes, why would they even show your home? It's an hour outside of town, and there's three homes that are right within a mile of each other or five miles of each other where they can show prospective residents. They're not even going to go show your home. So location is one of the big mistakes. Another one is simply not just the location, but the staffing itself. You need to have the right people. In in Texas, for instance, I was there just the other day. To become a caregiver, the qualifications are fog a mirror, fog a mirror. There's no state qualification. Don't need to be a CNA or a HHA or anything else. Fog a mirror, you're a caregiver. That's not good. You know, I think you need to have some specialized training. In Arizona, the pendulum is on the other side. It's 104 hours of training. We need a state certification, fingerprint, TB test, background check. And that's great because they're highly trained and so on. So I teach my students to let's train them. Let's make sure they've got all of these qualifications. And that becomes the feather in your cap, the reason why they should come to you. Let's not skimp on you know, the food. So there's all kinds of things I could go through. But if we do this right and we have a wonderful facility, and I like the benchmark because I love mom and dad, right? My mom, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. If we make it so that we'd be proud to have our own mom and dad there, others would be proud to have them there too. If we price our product properly, not too cheap and not too expensive, but properly, People will pay you a lot of money to live in that home, and they will thank you for it. So it's really a matter of knowing your market, your location, a great product, and how to present yourself. Uh, those are the mistakes that others who don't come to my training or don't listen to what I say, they make that mistake. The other one, too, and you you know this firsthand, the idea of zoning, knowing what you can do and cannot do in advance, and then playing with that. Because some states, like the city of, again, I'm going to go back, Dallas, city of Dallas, you can only have eight people in a home. Well, got it. If you're going to do just eight people in a home, do an upscale eight people or do memory care where I can charge more. But do something where eight works or do two homes near each other so the economies of scale of caregivers and food work better than. If you're in Texas, where you're in other areas outside of Dallas, you can have 16 people in the home. So I love the 16. Yeah, I can do three caregivers during the day, two at night, and crush it financially. I would much rather do 16 in the home, but I can't do that in a 2,000-square-foot home. I need a bigger home, so the right home in the right location. So there's a lot of nuance to this. And, and Buck, also, I, you know, your show is about creating wealth. And I know that there's people listening saying, I don't want to get in the nuance. I just want to write a check. I just want to be involved. I just want to be a part of this. And you can do that, too. You can write a check and be involved and maybe just own the real estate and lease it to the operator. We have people who come to the class to learn this so they know who the operator is and what they're supposed to know so they can confidently lease it at twice the fair market rent with a long-term, low-impact tenant. That's a great way to go. You don't have to operate the business. And also, I want to say one more, too, is that I don't want you to be in the business on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm, I may go visit once a month. I, I do the business part of the business. I make sure the money comes in and the money goes out. But I'm not there day to day. I have managers for that. The managers have caregivers for that. I may walk in the business and not know who the caregivers are by name. I don't know the families. I may know some of the residents, but you can be there as much or as little as you want. But this is not something that requires you to be there 60 or 80 hours a week. You can be as hands-off as you want, and that's a wonderful thing. 
So obviously you mentioned these things are not terribly hard to finance, right? Can you tell me what kinds of experiences that your students have had in this regard? Yeah, because it's residential, right? If we're just starting with a house in a neighborhood, residential, we can go right to the base level, starting with if you're living there, it could be owner-occupied residential financing. If it's not a home that you're living in, then it's not owner-occupied residential. So that means a little bit bigger down payment. Instead of 5%, it might be 20%. Instead of 4% interest, it might be 5% interest. And if you are uh, doing it where you are going to be creating this business there and you want to get that financed, even SBA, they'll lend you money up to 90% on the real estate, up to 75% on the business. There are private lenders out there. There's so much money on the sideline right now, Buck. It's incredible. I mean, people, it's scared money out there. They see the election. They see the politics. They see the stock market. And it's scared money sitting on the sideline. There's $7 trillion sitting in IRAs and cash. Just 70% of it's just sitting in cash saying, I don't know what to do. So if they got 6% on their money, they'd be tickled pink. 8%, they'd be like off the charts. You don't need to pay 8, 10, 12, 15% the way you used to. Safe returns on a secure investment. So it's residential. We can get bank financing, SBA financing, owner financing. Let's just start there. The owner wants to sell. Let them be the bank. Private financing, investors want to get into this business. Uh, so the gamut, and I've mentioned four or five ways right there, lots of ways to finance. So you've told me a little bit, obviously, about some of the things that you can learn about in Residential Living Academy, which is your course on this. And can you tell me a little bit more about Residential Living Academy? Yeah, so Residential Assisted Living Academy, or RAL Academy, uh, the course itself, the way I designed this book is that when I first started I knew that I could teach everybody exactly what they need to know in a short period of time. So, I mean, I could take six months or I could do it in three days. And I chose three days because to me, time is the most valuable asset. It's not the money. Money is important, yeah, but the time. And you know that, I know that. So in three days, three intense days, and in the middle of those three days, the context, we get in a bus, we go see the properties. When you go to the properties and it's my homes, my businesses that I'm operating, you meet the managers, the caregivers, you see the residents. That's the aha moment. That's when it all becomes real. That's when you realize this is what he's talking about. Because until then, it's just words. You're, you're hearing me say it. You're seeing the pictures. But once you see it, touch it, feel it, smell it understand what it is, then it becomes real. Then you really get it. In that context, then we come back into the class and then we talk about how to raise capital, how to do joint ventures, how to do the business plan, how to pull it all together so that you can now go back and do this. So it's a three-day class. Part of it is in the field, the context. We keep the class relatively small because we want that one-on-one attention, but big enough so that you have great contacts and connections. And it's a wonderful experience because as a teacher, and I'm kind of a teacher by nature, I I know that I learn best by doing hands-on. And we do it in Arizona because as a student, uh, I know I get distracted. And if it were in my backyard and I'm going to show up at the class, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to leave early. I'm going to answer my phone in between. But when somebody has to get in a plane and go someplace and just shut out the rest of the world for three days, something magical happens. And then when you start to meet people from around the country and, and sometimes even around the world who have come in to learn this, you, those contacts and connections are invaluable. 
Uh, so I have people who come to the class that have been in the business for 10 or 15 years, and they're looking for the contacts and connections or one little twist on something that they're doing different. And then others who have absolutely no experience. We've had people in their early 20s come in and do this, and people in their 70s come in and do this. So all walks of life all over the country. It's a fun experience, too. We really enjoy the experience and um, encourage somebody to check it out if they're at all interested. Where can people learn more about the Academy? Can you give us a website? Yeah, ralacademy.com. So that's residential assisted living. Very simple, ralacademy.com. Or just call us to ask questions at 480-704-3065. That's 480-704-3065. I want to make one other comment. I teach the class. I find it funny, Buck, because sometimes I do presentations, whether it be this type or live, and then somebody's wondering, are you going to be the guy at the class? Well, yes, it's me. It's my homes. You know, I even bring people to my personal home. You meet my wife, my kids. It's it's the real stuff. It's it's me. It's not I'm going to turn you over to somebody else. So if you really want to learn this from somebody who's doing it and willing to share it with you, frankly, I wish I had the class to go to when I first started. Uh, nobody was willing to share it with me. Nobody was willing to share it with me because it's kind of a secret, uh, very profitable thing. They didn't want to share it for that perspective. And other people know what to do, but they're just not able to teach and share. Uh, I wish I could have come to a class like this. Would have saved me a lot of time and heartache. It's like that whole thing about digging for gold, right? Don't worry about how much the shovel costs. <laughs> You're going to get down to the gold. I mean, that's, that's uh, something that I personally believe in. I think it's certainly worth the time and investment if somebody's interested in this to check that out. Now tell me, I want you to tell me about a favorite student success story. Favorite student success story. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about uh, two. One is Carla Lee and Carla Lee. I love it because she came to the class 26 years old, sat in the class, kind of arms folded on her chest, kind of sitting back. And I wasn't quite sure is she interested, right? But she's there and no experience in this at all, but she's listening. Day one is a lot of listening to information, how to find it, fund it, fill it, put it together, what to do, and so on. Day two, we get in the bus. We go see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, and that's when the lights went on. By the end of day two, and she came back, she was just energized, and I could see the sparkle in her eye. By the end of the training, she was just on fire. Five months after the training, she had her first three homes up and running. Now, did she, I'm not did she gonna, buy them, Gene, or did she have them? Um, she develop them, or what? How'd she do that? No, no. She bought existing. Well, the first one was an existing home up and running. The second one was an existing home that was up and running feebly, and she bought that. The third one was one that she was developing that bought the home, converted it, and so on. But five months later, three homes. That is off the charts. I got to make this point. I am not saying that's the norm, everybody, okay? But that is off the chart. The funny thing is, she said, Gene, I felt like I was going slow. <laughs> <laughs> I, need a, I need more employees like that. <laughs> now, granted, she came and she knew because she had already talked to some people, hey, I'm going to be going to this. We're going to be talking about this. Might you be interested in investing in this? And she had people saying, yes, I would. So this is the kind of thing, and I have to say this, it's the easiest thing I've ever raised capital for. When you start talking about baby boomers, senior housing, assisted living, and the numbers are off the chart, people are interested, but they need to know that you know what you're doing or 
you've got a property in place. It's the chicken and the egg, the catch-22. So when she came back, she was ready to hit the road. A year and a half later, because I met with her just a month ago, three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was, she has now on her seventh home a year and a half later. She's crushing it, and she has goals that are just beyond, and I love it. So there's one. The next one, and there's so many that I can tell you about, but the next one, I'm just going to go the other route. Here's a couple that is a father and a son. So John and Fred. So Fred is the dad. Fred came from California uh, with his son. Now, Fred, a retired executive, uh, trading uh, currencies at home. That's kind of his hobby job slash after retirement and his son. And he came looking for something to do something more. I mean, I've traded at home, day traded, and it's just not for me, just computer screens and charts and graphs and money. And it's there's nothing involved. You know, you're a hermit in a, in a closet. It's just... So he was looking for something that could touch his heart. And when he saw this, realized, wow, I can do something good and make money, it just grabbed him. And his son caught the vision too. So these two, father and son, and then he brought two other sons to the training of the next training, brought them out, and they got their first home up and running. So I'm just so proud of them as a family, the all in the family aspect of it. And I give you story after story, but you know, success is what it is. Whether it's one home or seven homes, or you know, I have people who have visions of tens of millions of dollars and hundreds or thousands of homes and going public with it. And frankly, they will. You can go as far as you want with this. For those of you who are big thinkers, let me go one more step, Buck. Those of you who are big thinkers, here's what's going to happen. Just like with single-family homes, do you remember when the market got crushed? What happened? Eventually, the big guys, the hedge funds, the black, the black rocks of the world came in with billions of dollars and started to buy up single-family homes. And everybody said, oh, they can't do that. They won't figure that out. Well, they did, and they did. And the bottom line is, right now, the big players, the three of the 10 largest hedge funds right now are what? Senior housing, three of the 10. Why? Because the rates of return are through the roof. So once they deploy as much as they can on the big boxes, they're going to come looking for us. And they're going to come looking for people who have 10, 20, 30, 50, and 100 of these homes. And then they're going to overpay like they always do because they're all about deploying the capital. You and I can do these homes and make 30%, 40%, and then leverage and make 80 and 100%. They just need to make 5 and 6% returns, and they're happy because for them, it's just deploying hundreds of millions and billions. That's all they need to do. So the cap rates they need are much less. So when they come to buy us out, it's just about acquiring market. So if you want an exit plan, three years, five years from now, if you want to sell out and forego the wonderful cash flow, you'll have a beautiful exit plan and they'll be willing to take you out. It's already happening with the transition homes, the addiction homes, the sober homes. If you have a bunch of them, they'll buy the business and lease the real estate back from you or sell the whole kit and caboodle to them. They want to write big checks, not small. And if you want an exit plan, you've got a big one if you want to take it. Folks, we've talked about it on this show many times. There's lots of ways to make money in this world. And Gene has just given you another one. Although you don't have to have medical training for this, I bet many of you doctors out there, and I know there's a lot of them listening, you know, you guys might have a particular interest in this just the way I do. I am a graduate of Gene's Academy, and I can tell you that he does give you everything you need to know to do this. It's not easy. I mean, it's really not. But then again, nothing worth doing is ever that easy. And to Gene's point, you know, having a higher barrier of entry, a higher fence actually protects your investment because not everybody's going to have the fortitude to go ahead. Um, and on the other hand, if you love the idea but have no interest in getting your own hands dirty, 
Well, you should still go to Gene's course and learn about it so you can make appropriate investments. But you can, you know, you can go and invest in some of these things. I mean, certainly make sure to sign up for my accredited investor list at wealthformula.com because I'm involved in this uh, asset class myself. And I can give you some ideas of what my plans in 2017 um, and beyond are in this arena. Either way, again, it would certainly benefit you to check out Gene's upcoming seminars. Gene, when's the next one? We have one coming up. Uh, last one of the year is December 9th through 11th, then January 27th through 29th. And those are uh, on the website at realacademy.com. And the rest for seven, 2017 will be posted there. Thanks for joining us, Gene. My pleasure. That's it. Next, uh, until next time, this is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.